What's up, guys? Welcome to Fitter Food Radio. This is episode 150. Wowee. It's me, Matt Whitmore, Kerry Smarsden, and you never guess who we got on the show this week. It's the one and only Dr. Tommy Wood, all the way from uh, Seattle once Hello. again. Yeah. <laughs> how's, how's lockdown life in Seattle? Uh, it's been all right, actually. Uh, we're pretty lucky that my wife Elizabeth and I can both do most of our work from home. Our labs and research have been able to sort of continue um, at the university with some sort of various provisos for social distancing and stuff. And so we've basically been at home for it's like three months now, right? Because yeah, um, you were earlier than us, yeah. weren't you? Yeah, we started, yeah. we went to an event in Costa Rica right at the beginning of March. And then we got back on the 10th or 11th and have basically been in lockdown since then. I've got to say, um, I, I wanted to go on that retreat. Do you remember I told you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but I kind of caught wind of it just way too late. Yeah, and I was yeah. gutted because that is a bit of me. Do you know, it was it was amazing. It was really good. Loads of fun. And there will be more. Uh, there's one in October, similar setup, where I, which I'll also be at, but it's going to be in Wisconsin in the US. Oh, okay. How comes the venue change? Well, so um, Ben and Steph have moved to the US. Dr. Ben House and Steph Gongora, who's a, uh, she's a, like super awesome yogi yeah they so they used to live in costa rica they moved to north carolina they're setting up another retreat center in north carolina and they so they still have their their uh, place in costa rica they'll spend some time there but basically they they had a, a baby about just under a year ago and to be closer to family and all kinds of other stuff they've moved to the u back to the u.s so there will still be retreats in Costa Rica occasionally. There will be some in various places in North Carolina soon once they've, they're basically building a whole new retreat center wow. in uh, North Carolina. So lots of that stuff ongoing. But yeah, it's, I think until they've got their retreat center set up, the next one's going to be in Wisconsin. The Costa Rica one, I mean, it's almost looks like an epic treehouse with a gym. <laughs> Inside. Yeah, it's, honestly, it just looks amazing. Just, what, what did you talk on, Tommy? What was your... What were you covering? It's a really cool setup. You know, Ben's basically trying to teach uh, mainly health coaches, strength and conditioning coaches, people in that kind of world to better understand science and how to then apply that to their own work and, and, do, and do their own research. So each participant this time had their own research project that they did over a period of weeks and then they presented it to everybody, which was really cool. And they, I mean... People who've like literally never done anything like this before, they all, all did amazing jobs. They're like super awesome people. On top of that, Elizabeth gave some impromptu talks on how to construct a narrative, write a talk, all that kind of stuff, which she's really good at. And then I spoke, I gave two longer talks, one on insulin and one on genetics, which people who've listened to me on this podcast have probably <laughs> heard me talking about before. Ben talked about testosterone and Dr. Mike T. Nelson, who people may have heard of he's another sort of super cool um, exercise researcher and coach he talked about um, metabolic flexibility that's his kind of big area and he also talk, gave a talk about uh, cbd and thc uh, research in in uh, athletes so yeah and and then like everybody eats every meal together trains together um they went and you go on sort of hikes up waterfalls and things so Amazing. yeah it's a really cool really cool experience that sounds wicked i'll Told do that you. i'll Told do you. that 
next yeah. year next year start saving up not a fan of the cbd thc though that that was my that was a nightmare experience for me wasn't it oh yeah your personal experience yeah <laughs> i had a little dabble well, with it it was awful the um well the, obviously the thc is a big factor there depending yeah. on uh, but basically lots of people are selling this stuff for like recovery in athletes yeah. and and sleep and the research is basically not very good at this point that's right. that's kind of the too long didn't read version oh. fair enough because we tried the cbd oil didn't we nothing and then we tried it with thc and then i basically woke up tripping my tits off in the middle of the night so i was like never again <laughs> <laughs> she, awful. She, she was like call, call an ambulance, call an ambulance. <laughs> proper freaking out yeah I was like, Keris, well, mo- calm mo- down. Mo- most of us did that in our teenage years. So I know. We were like, <laughs> is uh, making no, it for us time. But uh, just speaking about genetics, actually, though, uh, can you be... I mean, I know genetics are involved in how you metabolise drugs, but I've always had this theory I'm a slow metaboliser. I can't drink a lot of alcohol. And that, mm. it was the tiniest amount, honestly, and I was totally spaced. And I smat, I was just oh. nuts. And <laughs> it was a tea I mean, drop in tea. Yeah, there's there's no such thing as a fast or slow metabolizer in general because each enzyme involved in that those processes is controlled by a different gene which you might have different snips of so so yes drug metabolism is one of the areas where individual polymorphisms probably make a reasonable um influence on your outcome on your physiology but it's there's no sort of like i'm a slow versus fast it's very dependent on the enzyme which is then uh, determines the, the drug and how fast it's metabolized because oh. uh-huh. someone else also said i shouldn't have had it after food which i did have because that would have slowed, oh, yeah, it, all, so, slowed it all down yeah it really slows down the it really slows down the absorption yeah. um so what happens is then like hours later it kicks in <laughs> yeah like, that's exactly why three, three in the morning <laughs> Um, for, for me, it was uh, just one of my teenage stories. Kicks in when, like, in the middle of Sunday family dinner. Like, <laughs> wow! Having having put it in flapjacks earlier. In the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> best no. part is my best part is my parents like knew, and uh, they just tortured me for fun. Oh, <laughs> loads of, like, so what do you want to do with your life, sixteen-year-old Tommy who can't see the walls? <laughs> That's amazing. That's the thing, though, isn't it? Like when you're young, you you think your your parents and your grandparents are these kind of like boring, never done anything, yeah. don't know what it's like. And then as you get older, yeah. and you, I mean, my God, some of the stories my nan tells me, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, Nan, you animal! <laughs> <laughs> I thought you just this sweet old lady, you know, who never did wrong. But no, I was very wrong. So, what? How's your lockdown training, mate? Are you making some lockdown gains, or are you? Have you lost your lock? Have you lost your gains in lockdown? No, I've I've uh, again been been really lucky because I'm basically have a full gym at home out in the out in the garden in the, basically have a really big shed, which is, which is a gym. So I've actually been training more consistently, probably a little bit more intensively. Um, just because I've had time, there's no commutes during the day. I can sort of be very um, trained whenever I like. Essentially, all my work is self-directed, so I can yeah. sort of fit it all in, which has been which has been great. So probably like the the fittest I've been for more than a decade, I reckon. And I've got to say, um, I've got massive uh, garden envy <laughs> of your because you've if, from what I can see, you've almost got like a terrace. 
that overlooks yeah. the garden. Yeah. And I mean, your terrace alone is bigger than our garden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got this, we got this deck that we had. We had it rebuilt last year. It was off off the back of the house. And yeah, it sort of overlooks overlooks the garden. And then underneath we have, you know, like vegetable boxes where we grow our vegetables. And then we have this big kind of like, it's the size of a two-car garage tin shed barn wow. thing that, that's the gym. And then loads of like a good amount of grass for the yeah. dogs to run around. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're super lucky. We, we live quite you know, a reasonable distance from the university just because that's where we could afford to live. But we have, you know, a, a good whack of space, which is really but nice. They, they do make houses big in America, don't they? Like once you move out of the kind of like the, the kind yeah, of city yeah. centers and all of that, and it's all apartment blocks and whatever, the houses just seem to be massive. Well, it's just more garden space, I would say, from just speaking to friends out there. They seem to have well, bigger gardens. In Seattle or in the surrounding suburbs, it's not necessarily true because people, yeah, so people want a really big, you know, the houses are big, you're right, but partic- around us, where they, particularly where they've done newer builds, the plots of land aren't that big. So you have this like huge house, and then there's just like a two meter strip wow. around it before you hit the fence. So, yeah, some of the older properties, so our, our house was built in the 70s. But anything newer, they, you know, people apparently just aren't really that interested in having oh, a Or at least, yeah. And are you guys training together then? Or how, like, how have you kind of stayed motivated throughout? Because it's three, do you say three months, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah three months now. Uh, Elizabeth and I train quite differently. Uh, she got a Peloton treadmill last year. And really enjoys that because it, you know, there's always a different. So there's an, it's kind of like a spinning class, but for running. And so you have a, there's a big screen, and you have an instructor and tell, does does all that kind of stuff. And then it also includes workouts that you can do with like weights and yoga and all this kind of stuff. So so she has like her self-directed classes, which you know works a lot better for her. Whereas I just you know pick a training program and go and get after it in the in the gym so we train differently but it's been it's been good for both of us what about work-wise do you kind of interrupt each other or has that been pretty easy um <laughs> so, so i'm in my i'm in my new office which is one of our like spare uh spare guest bedrooms uh downstairs so the house is on two floors and just sort of next door there's a big open living space so are we actually so we have an open living spaces above which is like the dining room and main living room and kitchen and then below there's almost exactly the same space that was sort of like where the dogs run around and that was where we put the tv so that we don't have a tv upstairs we have a tv downstairs which we don't really watch but and then that's where the treadmill has gone and we had a a big long desk so we could both work down there but um, one at each end (laughs) yeah yeah exactly but now that's that's elizabeth's space because i type too loudly (laughs) <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing <laughs> like me like banging away on the keyboard is very distracting for her but then also because we're in lockdown there's um we're, we're basically in uh zoom meetings half the day right so you can't have two people on the on different meetings at the same time so so i have my own little now my own little enclosed space and we sort of work a good chunk of the middle of the day and then obviously have dinner and stuff together and spend time and then we we done a pretty good job of not working in the evenings um which is which has been nice do, do you guys feel like healthier for it for the kind of time out and i 
have really enjoyed not having to travel anywhere. Yeah. Like we had uh, two big conferences, one on the east coast of the US, one in Sweden, which we didn't have to go to. It's been really nice. Like I've really enjoyed having a routine. Dinner at the same time every day, go to bed, get a good amount of sleep, get up at the same time, do work. I mean, it's been a bit difficult because you don't see as many friends and, and stuff, but but there's a lot of stuff that I think has improved because of it. And a lot, like we struggled early on, but you sort of settled into it. Okay. I think that's the case with everyone, isn't it? Like you kind of that initial kind of like, ah, like, you know, everything's changed, like all of a sudden, and then you, you settle in and, and we're very much in a, in a right routine now, aren't we? And we're almost like don't it's change yeah that's the thing you want to you want to keep bits of it i think we've all realized we were too busy we were kind of cramming our lives with too much stuff and and trying to be in too many places at once and there's bits like you that we miss like seeing friends and stuff Mm. but then equally not having that pressure has just meant that relaxing properly and enjoying your home and making doing home improvements gardening and stuff like we never have time for that so but i was gonna say did you tell me feel like obviously with your knowledge when it all kicked off, were you nervous about the whole situation or did you just kind he of was, read around it? And... Tommy was working on a cure in his shed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in between sets of squats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's where, that is where I do my best thinking in the squat rack. You know, everybody's always talking about how you should be more efficient with your training, you know, get it done in seven minutes or 20 minutes or something. But no, I'll, I'll I'll go out and train for 90, 90 minutes or two hours just because it's like my time. I do yeah. oh, I love I do it. think I, I do do my best best thinking there, and then I come in and sort of write it all down. But I w- initially I was just like, it's going to be like SARS again. It's not going to come across here. Not too worried about it. And then obviously as the data changed, my mind changed and became you know much more sort of supportive of the various things that. That, that were going on but but in reality my, my main approach was basically just one of acknowledging that i didn't know and we didn't know right you just every day something different some new data came out that, that changed something or showed that we didn't really understand what was going on and there was far too much of people misinterpreting or over interpreting the data that we did have uh, far too many people uh, criticizing various approaches when people were just trying to you know, make sure that their populations stayed healthy and alive, particularly when it's a big unknown. And so the most interesting thing to me was basically that the public, maybe for the first time, was seeing science happen in real time. And what you don't realize is that the vast majority of science is you getting it wrong until yeah. you actually, actually figure something out. And so I know people were incredibly frustrated. It is incredibly frustrating to like have the narrative change and have, you know, first, you know, don't have to worry about masks, then you have to worry about masks or uh, don't have to worry about asymptomatic spread and then you do and then you don't again. And this is just how this works. But the the thing is that, that most science happens without people realizing it and then it just gets published like four years later. Yeah. Um, and you think there's this, you know, nice paper that comes out in a journal and it gets reported by the BBC or whoever. But there's several years of just like being super wrong before that happens. Um, yeah. And that's just never really been seen in real time before in, in this way. And so I, I found that very interesting uh, just to sort of like see that happen and play out. Um, and if you don't really understand or people just haven't seen the process before um, and people were just learning this, all this stuff like uh, as it went, still we don't know all the answers, right? And there's still loads more to, to learn and we probably won't know 
for several years into the future. But that was by far the most interesting thing to me. So I spent a lot of time just acknowledging, hey, I don't really, I don't really know. I don't understand what this means. And I hopefully have a, a reasonably good idea how to interpret data, yeah. even though it's not my field of expertise. And so no wonder everybody's confused and they don't know what they're doing because that's was kind of the state that we were in for most of this time. Do you know anyone like within your network that is kind of directly involved in working with like some of the studies and, and whatnot at the moment? There's been a lot of stuff happening at the University of Washington. They were, I think, the first place in the US to have their own PCR test for the virus. And they also did some of the first studies of the Abbott uh, antibody test, which is probably the best. The- best one or better one that, that's out there currently and i think it's now available to the public uh, through various avenues and seattle and the university of washington were one of the and the associated hospitals were one of the first places in the u.s to be like a hotspot. so and then there's also people here looking at so trevor bedford looking at sort of the tracking the virus and its mutations over time and then also doing some of the, the modeling. So lots of stuff was happening here at the university and the other academic centers, but not people who I know directly. I have had some contact from people who were trying to do um, COVID work in ferrets because ferrets are actually quite similar in terms of their immune reaction to respiratory viruses. So they do a lot of flu work in ferrets. And so people were starting to do this work in ferrets and because ferrets are something that i've done a, a reasonable amount of work with I, I got got some people who emailed me because they'd never worked with ferrets before so just like not not people i knew but like a professor in new york emailed me and was like hey we're going to do some ferret stuff can you like help us um so there's been a bit of which is like, <laughs> like the ferret was, trainer <laughs> yeah so that was my contribution to to covid research um was was my ferret knowledge um so lots of stuff going on but nothing that's sort of like directly people who i know very well and did you uh, contact people, like, did your family get in touch initially and ask, what can we do, and you know, friends and stuff? I imagine it was a bit like dial a doctor for a yeah, while. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's, there's still a bit of that, and I've definitely been sent just some utter nonsense that's circulating and, and people asking me for my, for my thoughts. And again, not my area of expertise, but hopefully I've been able to read enough to n- know when something is, is valid or worth, or worth looking at or not. Um, and there's, you know, some family members or friends of family members have some health conditions that they're sort of worried about. And, you know, we talk about that a little bit. But most people, as long as they you know, do the basics and look after themselves, they should be fine. So what, what would you say are some of the kind of big kind of like face palm bits of info that have come out and you're just like, guys, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Supplements was a nightmare I mean, initially, wasn't it? Everyone was just yeah, all over supplements. Yeah. Take this. No, don't take it. No, take a little bit. And, not as much of it. <laughs> and there was, did anybody, did, did you follow like, there was this like spat between Rhonda Patrick and Chris Marsajon about whether you should or shouldn't take vitamin D or uh, something? He, he's and, the one that keeps going up there, like back and forth on everything. And what's funny like, is everything's sold out though as well. So as yeah. soon as these were being put out, zinc, vitamin D and... A couple of others just went off the shelves really quick. So elderberry like, yeah. disappeared. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was nowhere to be found. Yeah. Um, which, which is fine, you know. I'm. It's all like low risk, 
you yeah. know may benefit you kind of stuff so i have i have no problem with that but yeah i mean people just arguing back and forth about minute changes in vitamin d level and whether that's going to make any difference yeah, like yeah. dude like it's not you know calm down i mean but there was you know the the whole like this is a a ploy by bill gates to inject us all with microchips or something like yeah, that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh is that not serious? true <laughs> <laughs> well I, I don't know i did have one uh, research uh or like one of my studies was funded by the gates foundation so i may already be microchipped and he's controlling my brain he's, and, uh, he's listening to this conversation yeah right he's now. listening to this conversation and uh, everything i'm telling you is just is just you know, has already been mind controlled by his, <laughs> his team of e- evil geniuses. There was one thing that really annoyed me um, was there's been a lot of misinterpretation, particularly of vaccination data and just people using studies to say that if you get the flu vaccine, you're more likely to get a coronavirus. And if you actually read those studies, you just can't say that. I have no idea if that's true or not. I can't yeah. tell you it's not true, but mm-hmm. I can tell you based on those studies, those studies can't tell you that. And, you know, there's a, been a lot of scaremongering about that. Uh, but equally, there's also like some super ropey stuff happening in, in the vaccine arena. And some of the there's a company doing research here in uh, Seattle and one of their vaccine trials that they basically have not published the data. Well, they like published like a little bit of it, which looked really good. And then they just didn't tell you about the rest of it. And then all of a sudden that, you know, they uh, they got loads of money in. Then their chief medical officer started like selling off his shares after they became worth a load more just because they like sort of released this tiny little bit of data that that looked very promising. And so, there, I mean, there is some dodgy stuff going yeah, on. Yeah. So we'll, it, it will take a while before we, we figure all that stuff out. I'd be really nervous as well. I was saying to Matt, when you hear about clinical trials going on, you certainly don't want to be some of the first people testing this stuff out either do you look like it no, i don't know what just... was that i mean there was there was that that famous trial in the uk where you know they they killed some guys uh with within um there was a film about that actually wasn't there and the interesting thing uh again there's a a guy he's called the biopharma guy um and he sort of like has a newsletter and he's been updating on the research that's been been going into this and he made the point in his newsletter last week that all the vaccines that they're trialing in the u.s are using technologies or methodologies that have never been used for vaccination before and so you know this is just super new stuff we have yeah. no idea if it's going to work or not is there anyone that you think it's actually producing some really objective information holding back other than yourself obviously <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, that's a good question. Uh, uh, Peter Atia was doing a pretty good job early on, but he's kind of, he's petered off, pun intended. Um, <laughs> but that was probably one of the better places. But there's, so, I mean, other than other than this biopharma guy looking at the, the, the vaccine trials, that would probably be it. Um, yeah, Chris Masterjohn and Rhonda Patrick, I've followed their stuff, but again, it's not necessarily hugely objective, and it's sometimes incredibly difficult to kind of sift through what on earth it is they're trying to say yeah um so it's 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 difficult there's very few people who i think are taking it all objectively and making it very simple for people to understand well as i say what's been the the media portrayal like over there because over here it's been quite heavily criticized for it has been just putting the fear of god in people hasn't Mm. it and very negative and very much the very much the same over here i find it very difficult to criticize 
one way or the other again just because when you know so little and some of the numbers in some of the places in the world including the u.s or in new york are really quite scary you know it's it's difficult to to toe that line and and so i can't really i can't really criticize people one way or the other because i don't know what i would have to do if i was in that situation of, of trying to get this information out there or making decisions about you know starting or reversing lockdowns you know we can't really imagine what it's like to be in that oh, position it's probably quite you know, incredibly difficult and, and quite scary in itself to be somebody who's who's making those kinds of decisions so so i, I think um a lot of the criticism is unwarranted just because we have no idea what it'd be like to actually have to make this that's what we've always said though isn't it like yeah, you yeah. just you know it's it, well it's more the i'd say like the reporting though when you watch when we've kind of watched the press releases here and they're kind of interviewing boris johnson they just focus on a lot of things that are so irrelevant so who's been doing what let's have a big fight over i won't mention all the names but you know who wasn't following lockdown guidelines and things like that whereas we're all like bigger picture now come on like what's next you know i just so the reporters have just been hanging on to kind of it's just gossip isn't it at the end of the day it's just scandal and that kind of you know they're still behaving how they would if this was posh and bex doing something <laughs> it's just it's just different obviously posh and bex aren't doing anything interesting at the moment so they want some other scandal but well that we know of yeah, no, yeah no, they exactly, might be yeah. We're just, we're just not uh, maybe they're the finally happy that you know nobody's able to like stand outside their doorstep and yeah, follow exactly. their every move so now they can do whatever they want finally and you wrote a, a paper tommy is that has that been published yet yeah, yeah it came out at the end of last week oh well, well, t- tell everyone where it is because it's a brilliant read and everyone should Thanks. have a look yeah so it's in there's a new journal called lifestyle medicine um, it's the official journal of the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine. It's published by Wiley, which is like one of the oldest and best scientific publishers. Was I was asked to be on the editorial board, so I have some small role in, in the journal itself. Um, but the two first articles that came out, one is by the editor-in-chief, uh, Fraser Birrell, who's the head of research again for the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine and has this... He's a very accomplished researcher, particularly in, in various immune aspects and also uh, musculoskeletal disorders like um, uh, osteoarthritis. But so there's an editorial by him and there's an editorial by me and my, my friend Gudmund Johansson, who's a, an ER or A&E doc in Iceland. And we wrote about how basically metabolic health and changes in the immune system that happen as your metabolic health decreases or as you age or if you're male and actually increasingly if you overtrain as well so so there's been this sort of big cluster of cases where you know everybody talks about you know there's probably an increased risk of of poor outcomes with covid-19 if you have type 2 diabetes or obesity or heart disease but then right at the other end of the spectrum um, there's another group of people who seem to also do badly which is essentially either athletes or the the sort of the over the over trainers you know those people who don't sleep enough get up at four in the morning to go run for two hours before you know working a 12-hour day and then having to look after their family and you know all that that's all my my client base essentially essentially (laughs) it's essentially your client base and so those people also seem to be they they don't necessarily get hospitalized but they have a very long you know if they get SARS-CoV-2 they get COVID-19 they they end up being sort of low level sick for a long period of time sort of like a chronic fatigue type picture and I know some people uh, to whom that has happened and in all of those scenarios interestingly it seems that 
there's essentially a shift in the immune system that causes first like an inappropriately low response to the virus and then it, that gives it time to kind of take hold and then later on you get this sort of uh, much bigger or much uh, i guess worse isn't necessarily the right word but th there's a much larger reaction to the virus that you, know, you might have heard of the cytokine storm that mm -hmm. happens it's like a second phase of the infection particularly in people with with metabolic disease because of these shifts that happen in the immune system and so the idea with the article was basically to say that these shifts in the immune system we see the problems that are then associated if you get an infection you also see something very similar in terms of you know worse outcomes uh, with these disorders with the previous coronaviruses so SARS and MERS that people have, have talked about that happened over the last decade but then also various strains of flu so H1N1 uh, swine flu where there was enough data they also saw something similar so, so basically if you have poor metabolic health you're at increased risk of pretty much any of the major um, respiratory viruses and this isn't going to be the last pandemic in our lifetimes i'm sure of it and people yeah. have certainly gamed that out and and it's more likely to be a flu strain than it is a coronavirus strain but we don't really know so if you're trying to prepare for the future you know if this happens again or if you just want to live a longer time and be less sick then you have to focus on metabolic health um and <laughs> rather lifestyle than stockpiling uh, toilet paper <laughs> rather than stockpiling yeah. toilet paper yeah. um and you know, lifestyle medicine, you know, trying to bake these lifestyle approaches that we know improve metabolic health and, and long-term outcomes just should be baked into our healthcare system. That was kind of the, the overarching idea of the article. And, and with that, it's really important that, that, you know, there are certain groups that are going to be at greater risk. And it's the BAME um, groups and that may be due to vitamin d it may be due to um they have an increased risk of metabolic disease but most of, and then they also have you know particularly in the u.s less access to quality healthcare or are less willing to access healthcare because of the various terrible things that have happened uh, to people of color um, in the healthcare systems in the u.s and so this basically just increases the disparities between groups so not only are they at greater risk this is probably because of things that have been going on for a very long time in terms of inequities in society um so you know if, if we want to protect our populations uh, in the future like all of this has to be addressed and so there's to be a, a a top-down approach as well as a bottom-up up approach of yes i can look after this myself but if you're somebody who has the ability to focus on your health you know that is quite a privileged thing to be able to do, yeah, right? Sure. Because you know, most people can't do that. Mm -hmm. Most people don't have the money or time, resources uh, to be able to do that. So, so we just need to we need to acknowledge that actually, if you're somebody who's listening to this podcast and you're able to think about the quality of the food that you eat and get into your CrossFit yeah. gym, you know that's actually quite a privileged thing to be able to do. So we have to help those people who don't have those privileges to be able to, you know, be in a, in a, in a better scenario going into the future as well. But do you know, I think as well, there's just like a lack of this kind of the information that you put in that article you gave. Also, you quantified everything and said, you know, walking 10,000 steps a day. And you gave some mm. examples of, of things yeah. that everyone could be doing. But none of that. That is weird, though. That information is on every public health website, but it's never mentioned in all of this. It's never been mentioned. Nothing about. So his exercise has come up a little bit because of that one hour to exercise. And then you saw the discussions mm -hmm. in Spain where it caused a lot of, you know, mental health issues, people not being allowed out and that. But there still wasn't enough emphasis on how would that help your immune system, your metabolic yeah. health, those types of things. And no kind of 
quantitative guideline because then you've got because <laughs> we're kind of working with big groups we see some people go the, the opposite end and they're going crackers for exercise because they're not at work mm, anymore mm. so they're doing yeah. overtraining which is not great either i was going to say like it was yeah. interesting that you pointed that out yeah we've done a couple of podcasts on this now haven't we where during the lockdown like we've seen a lot of people that have gone i've got two or three hours now to <laughs> yeah that are training like you know have gone from training very little to almost going right the other way and sometimes yeah. training multiple times a day yeah. for hours and hours at a time. And it's often like a, a more kind of like endurance-based stuff. So it, almost everyone was running, weren't they, and cycling rather than doing yoga and, or strength. And it's, and it's funny how like, you know, it's, I think for a lot of people, it's uh, like you said earlier about your training, you know, it's and I see it as the same. It's kind of like it's quality me time. You know, it's just me and I'm doing my thing and whatever. And I think uh, for a lot of people, exercise is an escape, even more so now because, that. you know, for a lot of people, it's it's like they're now training on top of homeschooling, on yeah, top of probably like more housework, yeah. more stress, yeah. more anxiety. So in a way, it's like they're training even more to to counteract all of that, but. It, we actually got carried away because we were doing lives online and we, first of all, knew everybody wanted something sweaty. And we started yeah. more or less in the first few weeks that were doing kind of a lot of high intensity Jumping stuff. around like yeah. nutters. And then we were like, wait a minute. <laughs> we got the feedback. Our bodies were knackered, didn't like it. And then we said, well, we wouldn't train like this. We yeah. can see there's a demand, but it's because people don't know better. So then yeah. we kind of like took the reins, didn't we? And said, right, it's a day of strength. It's a day of yoga a day of mm. a little bit of hit then it's strength again then it's yoga then it's walking and we got everyone doing a morning cardio club where we try and get them out for a walk not a run and even that we've tried to emphasize get out for a walk not a run mm. if you yeah. can but get out early because your body will love you for that and then if you are stuck yeah, at home yeah. homeschooling you got something done in the morning but you know when you see everybody talking about this the, the public health kind of side of things and i know the british society of lifestyle medicine does an incredible job of trying to you know help gps to, to kind of relay this information as well but you just don't see it. i just don't see it anywhere yeah there was this brief period where a female hotra was 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 making the news talking about obesity and and covid19 risk uh, but it was it was a little bit overly simplistic just blaming on obesity when there's so much stuff underlying that like why are, why are people obese why um you know there was this um, recent uproar last week because there was a public, I think it was a Public Health England report on increased risk of, again, COVID, poor COVID-19 outcomes in, in BME populations. And they didn't factor in the fact that those populations, again, because of very long-standing societal inequities, live in places that have much poorer air quality, which ha plays a huge role in your susceptibility to, to respiratory infections. Mm. And so there's there's loads of this underlying stuff that's just kind of like baked into society that we're just not paying attention to. So like just saying obesity, uh, because you know, Boris Johnson's a bit fat, you know, that <laughs> it just it just doesn't it just doesn't really um, sort of cover what what's going on. And 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 you're right, nobody has really nobody has really talked about it. And I think it's because it's very difficult to then so 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 recommendations some are, are potentially very simple you should sleep more but people are super stressed so they're not sleeping as well so then yeah. all of a sudden that becomes a problem and you know exercise so movement snacks we talked about ten thousand steps a day we talked about you know super simple stuff which is basically going to get you to the point where you've had the you know the maximum benefit of exercise for the, for the minimum effort which is essentially what you, you want to try and to try and encourage but then you get into stuff like diet 
like, what diet should you recommend to people? Because lifestyle medicine has kind of become synonymous with the plant-based diet, which the uh, BSLM has actually fought pretty hard against, despite the fact that there are people in the BSLM who are big plant-based proponents, but they are also willing to say that, you know what, there's other ways to skin this cat, you know? Yeah. So, so we've had very enlightened and friendly conversations in, even between people who disagree on diet. And I think that's the kind of way you need to go. But what happens is then you come up with, or you can come up with some very wishy-washy recommendations as you try and like make everybody happy that, that don't really mean anything. Yeah. So it's tricky and it usually boils down to people not being able to create a, um, a coherent message about diet. And I think that's why that happens. But you wonder and, if, if Boris Johnson had stood up with somebody of kind of medical background and said, uh, we've consulted and come up with like just some basic agreements here, perhaps like minimize your processed food intake, you know, like sugar, flour, yeah. minimize your alcohol intake, um, you know, keep it down to what's not considered binge drinking, walk 10,000 steps and why not try and double your fruit and veg intake for the next couple of months. And it'd be amazing to see some kind of subsidy for those, you know, low income mm. brackets. And and we, yeah. we did some shops for people who were isolating and they gave us food vouchers and the lists were just heartbreaking that we got. Yeah. But you understand why? Because yeah. it's like to feed a family on yeah. this budget, you're going to have to go yeah. for processed refined foods. But it, it was just like Matt, you said, the cup, most of them, not a single vegetable on the list. You know? yeah. And it's it was just really sad. And you but, think, sorry, go on. Oh, I was going to say, but, you know, this is the the problem is that. Yes, you're absolutely right, but then you like you keep digging, and it it gets trickier and trickier. So, yeah. so they just they just announced that they're still going to give um, food vouchers to to families whose kids would normally get free school meals over the summer, right? In the UK, that they just announced that yeah. yesterday or, or the day before. Yeah. But in order to do that, you know, and it's the same here in the US when you look at the kind of food that is going out. You know, the, there's a big um, charity called No Kid No Kid Hungry. Um, and, and, you know, they, they do something similar. But to do that, you have to rely on the cheapest foods. It's basically just calories. Then it's yeah, refined, course. you know, it's refined fats and refined grains and probably not much protein or, or, or any vitamins. And why is it cheap? It's because governments subsidize um, the production of those things. So as soon as you start saying, oh, you shouldn't eat stuff that's full of, you know, everybody focuses on sugar, but probably, yeah. you know, a pro any processed carbohydrate has the same problem and you can yeah. say, well my bread doesn't have any sugar in it yeah but if you eat a whole loaf of it it's gonna you know you're gonna be you're gonna be in trouble but you know those things are, are, are subsidized by the government and so there's just so many different layers of problems oh, tell me about trying it. to put those stuff that stuff together it just makes it super tricky for, but, but that's for why... any person to to sort of come out and yeah. give those kinds of guidelines yeah. and that but that's why we always say you know like um you know whether you're a boris johnson fan or or not you know we we always say just like well it's, it's just not that easy you know it's not easy for him or, or anyone in a position of power to just go this is how we're going to do things this is how it is and everything will be hunky-dory and and that's why we always just you know it's like we've always said it's never just one thing mm. and there's so much to consider with all these different things and i think like it's, it's like you said you're gonna to have to take it's about taking responsibility for yourself and then where you can helping yeah. those in your immediate community in your, exactly yeah. exactly and then you know it's like food banks you know you 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 know food banks food banks are a fantastic thing you know isn't it amazing that people are donating food nappies baby formula all of these kind of things to help others in need but again if you look in a food bank you know it's all 
you know, non-perishables like processed foods, but it has to be, right? And again, it's, yeah, it's it's, it's a tough one, mate. It really, really is. It really is. But um, going back to what you said about uh, pollution and air quality, because, you know, like obviously London was quite severely hit, wasn't it? Yeah. And you mentioned New York City as well. You know, I think both London and New York City are exactly renowned for their but I mean, the, their air quality, are they? But the numbers are actually greater than the deaths of COVID, aren't they, that die from air pollution, as I understand oh, it? Oh, yeah, worldwide, yeah. certainly. Mm. Uh, so, particularly in developing or, you know, sort of towards the end of their own industrial uh, development, countries like India and many places in China, where, the, I mean, the air quality is just awful. Yeah, yeah, bloody hell, yeah. But again, it just shows you, doesn't it, in terms of like, you know, you can just put it out there that, oh, you know, London was really badly affected. And a lot of people jump to the conclusion that Londoners or people that live in London were just ignoring guidelines and, and whatever. Mm. But again, another example of considering other factors that are at play here beyond simply, yeah. you know, it just being like a highly populated city or, but, or I mean, whatever. That's what, uh, so the British Society of Life Medicine wrote a letter. Well, they signed a letter, didn't they? Did you read that? It was on the email. It's a letter to the G20 leaders and it mentions oh, in it. What's that? But in it, it says, like, that your point is kind of reiterated that uh, we're now vulnerable to an infectious disease because of lifestyle, because of environment and food. But also, you know, the focus needs to be right back to it's the food we eat, it's the water we drink and it's the air that we breathe. And so it is yeah. environment. And I did, I don't know, I haven't looked at the stats in terms of India, but this was kind of just discussing it with someone who was doing a bit of research over there. They said that areas where the population is very concentrated in India and you would expect it to have been more, it would, to have kind of spread quicker and the numbers to be higher, it wasn't. And they also wonder whether that was because of their immune systems being a bit stronger because of certain elements of their lifestyle i'm not saying the water was cleaner there but maybe not even the air but there was maybe not as much hygiene so their immune systems were stronger it's kind of going back to hygiene hypothesis where there's just more dirt and that kind of thing so even kind of going back to i suppose that element of how we're raising kids to never be exposed to a germ and stuff like that do you think that's something that needs to be revisited or yeah it certainly could be a thing that does have a huge role to play i believe in you know autoimmune conditions allergic conditions um in terms of susceptibility to respiratory viruses i don't know it's difficult to say there's 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 a huge um interplay between multiple factors there like if you look at what happened you know with and without the the measles vaccine when you get measles as a kid it basically resets the immune system and increases your susceptibility to various diseases for two or three years afterwards so when you vaccinate people when you vaccinate kids for measles you actually reduce their susceptibility to other infections for a period of time and so you you increase their um survival both because they're no longer getting measles but also because they're not getting these other infections too and so there's there's loads of stuff that that intersects there i I couldn't really say that the hygiene hypothesis plays much of a role in respiratory viruses i just don't know because that was a big question we got asked a lot. Would an autoimmune disease make you more susceptible or less susceptible? Because my theory would be, I, I have no, no idea actually really. But, <laughs> but would, my theory would be I've absolutely uh, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I, I kind of would err uh, towards probably less than the kind of metabolic. But then it, you're still a cytokine storm in so many ways and gut dysregulation. And I don't know. What would you think? Well, I mean, I really, I mean, it, 
does really depend on which or what kind of autoimmune condition you're looking at. So in things like lupus and rheumatoid arthritis, they have very high levels of low-grade inflammation. They have high levels of low-grade inflammation but they you know they constant they, inflammation don't they yeah they basically have you know constantly elevated inflammatory cytokines and they also are at much greater risk of type 2 diabetes and heart disease so in some i i would think that those are there are increased risk because of the downstream effects of that chronic of that chronic inflammation and many are taking but again suppressing medication i suppose that's another factor yeah but which may or may not be a good thing right we now see that um high dose or very potent corticosteroids like dexamethasone right literally just came out now it's the first approved drug to treat a severe covid19 because oh, it improves really? outcomes and it's, oh, it's basically yeah. it's basically a strong steroid yeah, yeah. so, so it's yeah, and, and so it's supposed to suppress that cytokine storm that we talked about. The other side of that is that if you're taking these things chronically, they can suppress the immune system such that maybe you get the virus, you don't, your body doesn't realize it, and then that whole kind of thing then kicks in later. So it's really impossible to tell. At first, they thought that people uh, with asthma and COPD who often take inhaled steroids you know, long term would be at greater risk, but it doesn't always seem to be the case. So it's really hard. It's really hard to tell. Like you never really think of health uh, or good health as a privilege, but it really is. Yeah. Like the decisions you make, the things that you have access to, the resources, etc. Like it really is a privilege. But would you say that, like you said earlier, you know, if you are fortunate enough to be able to have an element of control over these things, and if you look at the advice being given to people at the moment it's not really that different, is it, to what you would give someone anyway if they wanted to, you know, be healthy. Any health goals. Uh, yeah, and, and live, you know, preferably for like a long time with very little issue, if yeah. you will. Yeah, that's, yeah it's, no, it's no different. Like the things that you do to increase your resiliency to infection or yeah. reduce your risk of having poor outcomes if you get an infection – they're exactly the same things that I'd recommend if you wanted to improve your sleep or your body composition yeah. or any of that, you know, any of or, you know, slow aging or live a longer, you know, live longer, whatever. They're, the reason why I basically, have, you know, over the years have kind of really simplified down what I, you know, recommend people focus on, you know, and I used to do, you guys know, I used to do, you know, recommend whole loads of, you know, fancy testing and fancy supplements and, and all this kind of stuff. And I just, I don't really think it's necessary hmm. for the vast majority of people. You know, you get the basics right. And sometimes that's hard. Like, don't get me. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying that this stuff is easy to implement, but they're simple things that will make the big difference. And that would be whether you don't want to die of COVID or whether you don't want to get type two diabetes or you want to, you know, still be able to play with your grandkids or great grandkids when you're 90. Can you like, even though you've said it so many times on this podcast, can you summarize it in just a couple of lines? What do you think most people should be doing? So you should eat real food. My personal preference is that includes some high quality animal products and Pref high quality. Preferably food. of the frozen variety. <laughs> Ice cream. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> most of my meat ends up being frozen i have a big i have a big freezer like full of hundreds of kilos of, of beef yeah. but yeah so 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 eat, eat real food and that 
sleep. And by sleep, that also means circadian rhythm, by which I mean get light when it's light outside and dark when it's dark outside. Social connection. Um, have some friends and family who you love and see and spend time with, you know, and maybe focus on them or others uh, above yourself occasionally. Not always, but, you know, sometimes you have to look after yourself. Move uh, 30 to 45 minutes of uh, moderate to vigorous physical activity, we call it, which would basically be a brisk walk, some strength training, some yoga, all that stuff you guys have been doing, 30 to 45 minutes a day, or, you know, at least, you know, five times a week, maybe. That's like as much as you need for the maximum benefits of exercise. Filter your water. If you can avoid living somewhere that has a load of air pollution, that's going to be yeah. great. I mean, it's difficult to do for some people, but that's going to that's going to be all of it. But I love that. I love that. I mean, you know, obviously that ties in, you know, we're in full agreement for, for sure. And, you know, ties in with the message that we've been trying to spread for, for many years now. And, and I think, isn't it amazing now, like when you look at health and longevity and and whatnot, you know, it's it's just so much more than 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 food and exercise which... but do, do you know what's funny is the things you've listed though i think people generally struggle with hmm. like they don't yeah. like the simplicity and the basics people like to buy gadgets and gizmos they like to hmm. buy supplements and this is my battle constantly and you know people will talk about it's just sometimes especially the nutrition changes or making time to go and be social yeah it's just which is crazy but it's becoming increasingly hard for people to see that that's healthy oh of course it is and they of would course. rather like i said buy you know i don't know just purchase things i think there's an element to which that's almost like outsourcing health to yeah 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 don't know. you feel like you're doing something but not necessarily well, it's, it's no different to like um you know when Kerry was saying earlier when we first started doing all these live workouts and we were just training like lunatics really because we were just trying to cater for everybody weren't we it's we were funny. trying to you know it came from a good place we were it wasn't for us necessarily as in our own training it was because we wanted to kind of motivate people motivate people to train and feel like they had something that they could work with whilst they couldn't go to the gym etc but we soon were just like blimey you know our body's not happy about this at all um but weirdly even though you know we've been doing this a long long time we know the score we know our bodies very well initially when we took our foot off the gas a little bit and put the you know the more uh, the rest days the recovery days in there we had a bit of fomo didn't we yeah it's almost like I, i'm missing training every day because it does become yeah. addictive so but we're definitely better people for it for just kind of but getting like those anything. movement days you in can, there you let coffee get out of control you know and then it's just really hard to rein it back in again ice cream you just let it get out of control it's yeah. just yeah rewards so and uh, do, do you know what i'd like particularly the exercise thing like before I was maybe training four days a week, probably on average, and it would be easy for me to take a, you know, if I wasn't feeling good, I, I would take a rest day. And I feel like I went too far the other way. Like I was, I was giving myself, um, <laughs> I was doing like, oh yeah, don't worry, you can take another rest day, or oh yeah, you can have another ice cream. And I, yeah. I felt like, you know, it's like a sort of a slippery slope downwards, uh, at least for myself personally. But now, but then I sort of see, like I used to be the orthorexic exercise addicted uh person i've talked about this on your podcast before um and you can kind of see glimmers of that come back like yeah, it yeah. became work for me to have a have a, you know I'd, I'd work out like 10 days in a row because i could yeah, um, yeah exactly and then and then and then you sort of then force yourself to take a rest day so i mean it's i mean it's not an easy balance necessarily oh hell no so i mean no. I, i've seen you know you guys have seen issues i've seen issues it, it, you know 
It's like it's funny. You go either like, one way or the other. And you know, I said that to when you go through like I coach clients on this, but I've had it as well. You go through like your fatigue phase, and yet you said you go, you do really well in starting to enjoy it, but then you take it slightly too far. But then when we started training again, I said to Matt, I was like, God, I've unleashed the beast within, like literally, let's get back on 200 snatches. And it's like, well, yeah, you realise how nuts you were and then yeah, you realise that you could easily yeah. go back there. But then you well, kind of... What makes me laugh is like control, though, sometimes you? after our workouts, because our live workouts are tough, don't get me wrong. Like they're, they're, they're hard going, aren't they? But we always provide like regressions and whatnot for people to adapt. So there's there's the opportunity there to push yourself and there's the opportunity to like ease off a little bit should you need to. But what I love afterwards is when people write comments after the workout and people say things like, oh, my God, that was absolutely brutal. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) And it's almost like there is that element of satisfaction, isn't there? Of like, oh, my God, I felt like I had an out-of-body experience, you know, like it was so painful. It was amazing. I loved but that, it. But that's also because people's perception is I have to feel beasted, yeah. broken, get sweaty. And that's what we've been trying to change and hope. I think actually injuries have made people change their minds. Like so yeah. many people got injured in the first couple of months, yeah. didn't well, they? Well, well, I've had a few, uh, some of the live workouts where I've just still trained, but just gone down a couple of kettlebells. Yeah, no, you know, because I'm like, today I, it's not about pushing myself too hard, but I want to do the movements. And I'm just mm. not going to load up in the same way that I ordinarily do. Whereas back in the day, I wouldn't have been able to have done that because it would have driven me yeah. mad because I'd be like, no, no, I've got to go as heavy as possible. You know, I know I can do heavier than this. But, you know, that comes with, you know, experience and doing it for a long time. But just to wrap us up, Tommy, mate, because you did a little bit of a, a tidy up, a spring clean of one's diet. Yeah. I thought you were going to use the word shred or something then. Yeah, you did a, a, mi- a mini shred, a Seattle shred. you're happy to talk about that because i think it ties in with the kind of like getting the basics right just yeah sure um so actually it started as as an experiment i had an agreement with a a good friend of mine who's also he couldn't he didn't end up doing it just because of covid and it became a a stress for his family to try and dramatically change the way he he eats but i'd sort of continue to do it but we we were going to do an experiment of the carnivore diet Oh, wow. um, just to just to try it out and see because it's sort of like the the hot thing that everybody was trying and it was interesting to me and i did that for maybe six weeks and basically Why? all i ate all i ate was meat and meat and fish and eggs essentially wow and i certainly got a reasonable amount leaner um i, I dramatically increased my protein intake probably by about 50 percent at least and saw in terms of performance so saw no decreases at all right performed exactly the same in the gym slept exactly the same and you know and it was actually probably you know like i said was probably training harder than before and and saw no problems uh, at all there which was which was nice so after that you know it, it, it was it was okay I, I do all the cooking at home and i managed to you know figure out cooking it was differently for myself and, and and for elizabeth but that wasn't that much of an issue but i am a big believer in the fact that humans should be able to eat a wide variety of things and not be completely flawed by them yeah right? i agree and i'm with you on that so i'd started no, to add stuff. True. so i started to add that right we are omnivores for a reason we, yeah you know, yeah. You know that there's a good rationale for taking plants out of the diet for some people, but at some point you have to try and build that resiliency back in. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, like carnivore was good. I definitely leaned out probably because my 
calories decreased and my protein increased dramatically and I was training harder. But like I said, didn't didn't do any worse in the gym. Probably did better. Oh, you didn't? Um, yeah, I was going to I was going to ask you how yeah. you were training. So you, you, you popped off the You popped off while I, I said that. But yeah, saw like literally no problems in the gym whatsoever, and was training harder. But wow. even kind of like fine. Int- intent, like as in like hit stuff and everything. Uh, on the on the on the airdyne, on really? you know the assault bike on the rower. Do it, and I only really do short, sharp sprint stuff on there. No problems whatsoever. High rep. You know, uh, for a period of time, I was doing like a 20 rep squat program, wow. you know, wow. uh, no problems there whatsoever. Put weight on the bar every week. So, yeah, so really no problems at all. But could you have slowly... run, do you think, like, could you have done, could you have jumped on the treadmill and done 10K? Or oh, yeah. So I was and still am doing probably one cardio workout a week. And sometimes that will include a run. And it's more like quarter mile or 400 meter repeats with some like kettlebells and stuff in between maybe 800 meters <laughs> i thought you meant um, holding some kettlebells <laughs> i was like seriously no, tell no, me no. you've got nuts I'll, like, I'll, I'll run yeah. i'll run just regular running and then right. some other stuff just do a 400 meters with a 24 kilo kettlebell in between my teeth <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so it's so all of that was fine i think and I, I, I think i would have been fine uh no uh That's really certainly consider i mean especially considering I'm, I'm not like if i was training for a, a marathon and doing loads of really high volume and high intensity running you know probably better to you know i think about adding some carbs back in but you know certainly with the kind of training i was doing wasn't a you know lifting and sprinting certainly no no problem and then but then i've i've been adding stuff back in so now i'm you know eating all you know eating vegetables again and okay you know we'll cook some rice or potatoes we'll have a bit of that just not necessarily always in large quantities. I'd still say more than yeah. 70% of my calories come from animal products. So certainly on the lower carb end, I have no idea if I'm in ketosis or not because I don't really care about that. Do you do any like but, uh, blood testing or have you done any, anything to check? Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm, about, I'm about to. Um, I'm, I'm building a course uh, again with Dr. Benhouse on interpreting blood tests in athletes. I haven't had blood tests done for like five years. Um, so, so I'm going to re I'm going to redo my blood tests and then we'll have, have, have those to, to talk about as part of the course. And so it would have been nice if I could have done like a before and after, but it was during lockdown and, uh, blood tests can get pretty expensive. Yeah, so, yeah of course. But I'm so, do it again again. so you mentioned like, uh, obviously there was a weight loss element, mm. your training seemed to improve. Yeah. Um, what about in yourself? You know, your kind of day-to-day energy concentration with work, etc. How was that? I think like my energy and focus has been much more consistent. Certainly, and I think there's there's multiple things there. I'm probably sleeping more consistently, definitely eating more consistently, and better quality exercising, probably a bit you know more consistently. So lots of stuff uh, coming together. And it, it's definitely, I don't have any kind of slumps or problems. And I, I think I used to say to myself, oh, you know what, I'm in pretty good shape or, you know, I'll have this, I'll have this Snickers because my muscles need it because I worked hard in the gym. And that's just kind of like the lies we tell ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not, it, not really necessary. Um, so, so a lot of stuff has improved and I definitely find, you know, and I was thinking about this the other day, like when I go to bed, like I'm a, I'm excited. I'm ready for the next day to wake up in the morning and, you know, get back on, you know, sort of the mornings are the time when I can really get some work done and sort of like really looking forward to the next day, which sort of, I, I guess I hadn't necessarily realized I wasn't doing before, but now it's sort of like a, I'm ready to go to bed so I can get up and, you know, oh, that's good. 
So, 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 what, so like all of that. Yeah. What, what made you? Don't um, tempt him to this. This will cost us. No, cost us a fortune. Because did you have just two meals a day on Carnivore? Most um, two, don't they? No, so I was I was eating three meals. I was probably eating two to three kilos of meat a day. Wow. Yeah, pills. <laughs> I must and say. So a lot of my calories came from and still come from. I'll, I'll make this big like I'll cook up all this ground ground beef, but the ground beef I get has a lot of organs in it. Uh, or I get some that has organs in it, so like liver and heart. And so I'm having organs every day. Oh. In that ground beef, I add like a big uh, load of uh, marine collagen. So I'm getting loads of collagen, loads of that extra stuff in there. So certainly my nutrient density, uh, the quality of my nutrients uh, increased uh, dramatically. So maybe maybe we should do like another episode to talk about. Because I'm, I'm keen to... Matt, do you know what? You should do it. And then you can compare notes. I'd love to see you do this. Do you know what, Matt? I guarantee the one thing that will improve is your gas. It will disappear. Oh, right. I was going to say. <laughs> right, we're doing Honestly. it then. That's it. <laughs> no, like, like literally, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, that, that happens to me, right? You have a whole big boatload of something fibrous, right? Yeah, yeah. You get a little bit musical afterwards. Um, didn't yeah. happen at all. Wow. But, but what's your bowel movements like, though? Yes. So I made sure to replace plant fiber with what they call animal fiber, right? Okay. So loads of collagen. Every day I ate two or three tins of sardines with skin and bones. Like all that stuff can be digested by some of the same bacteria. And so uh-huh. some people who, who go on a plant-free diet get some diarrhea problems, things like that. Uh, didn't happen to me at all. The volume decreased and definitely turned darker because there was a lot more iron in my diet. That's because basically like all I was eating was beef. But yeah, no no problems with that at all. So go on then, real quick. Typical day, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Give, um, give us an example. What, now or then or now? It's Th- then, during. Yeah, then. So, so I would cook up. So in the morning, I cook up three pounds of ground meat. Um, and there would usually be two pounds of ground beef and then one um, with organs. Mm-hmm. So it's like that that pound is like 40% beef and then the rest is liver and kidney and heart. And then into that, I put like a half a scoop or like half a cup of collagen powder um, and a good amount of salt. And so breakfast would be that, probably some eggs on top and a tin of sardines. Lunch would be wow. that again. Lunch would be that again. So like the other half of it. So maybe half a breakfast, half a lunch and another tin of sardines. And then in the evening, it would be whatever meat I was, or fish I was cooking for myself or Elizabeth. Again, like a pound or two. And did you, did you, did you get bored at all with that or? I could do no. that either. Really? I could live on that. Do you know, I think the you hardest meal like, would be the dinner. Like for me, yeah. breakfast, I'd happily smash a load of meat and sardines oh, and, and whatnot and lunch. Yeah. Whereas, but dinner though. I don't know. I think that's just a mindset thing. Of like, normally it's dinners when I have my carbs. And do you know yeah. any women that have done well on carnivore? I'd be interested to know. Um, yeah, there are there are pl- plenty. The, I mean, probably the person who's been who I know the best who's been doing it the longest is somebody called Amber O'Hearn. Uh, she might even, she might be at Keto Carnivore on Twitter. I think I think that's her handle. I mean, she and she did it um, because of I think she had bipolar or she had some kind of mental health. Um, thing that she, that she essentially is is is, got, is gone now, and she's been. I mean, she's been eating like this for years. 
Um, there are some other people who've, who've been doing it for years as well. The, the most important thing, um, again, I'm certainly not going to say everybody should do it, nor am I going to say that everybody's going to benefit from it. You just have to eat enough calories and enough yeah. protein. Um, and if you do that, I think you're fine. Do you know what? I might, I might give it a bash. I'm intrigued. And do you know what? It's like, right, it's, it's not cheap, but I buy everything in bulk online. So like every week, every couple of weeks, I probably get... 50 kilos of meat delivered to the house wow. and i basically the dogs eat the same way and so i have to prepare for that our dogs eat raw yeah. um raw meat only with again lots of sort of cartilage and, and organs and stuff it's funny and when, it's, it's been magical for their health as well like when, real, when like you just, were talking about like the the beef you have with the organ and that i was like it sounds like hamish's food we, we just switched pain uh, hamish to it's called paleo raw ridge and yeah. honestly, we get we get food envy getting his box out because it's yeah. like venison with like heart and things. Like I love heart, but yeah. like, it's all these different meats, and we it's get proper, it out. It doesn't look proper. the best, I have to say. It's like you can literally see the organs, see in the it. ventricles, and it's very different brilliant. to the first brand we put him on. That was all mashed, wasn't it? And mm. a, a lot of bone, and he wasn't doing too well on it. Too much bone in it. Too much bone we, in there. We right? spoke to someone who said, "I'll go with this brand instead." She was a bit of a yeah. holistic vet, and it looks completely different. And we, we were like, oh, "Okay, you can see a difference now, can't we?" So yeah. But no, I'm intrigued. You just have Hamish's food. Just order from Paleo. No, to be fair, like, I looked at it and I thought, you know what? Mash that up into a patty, <laughs> whack it in the yeah. frying pan. You got an epic little venison and heart burger there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I tell you what. You do it. We'll get Keris's birthday out of the way. (laughs) And then I I think I'm going to give this a bash, you know. Oh, really? Well, you know, Tommy is someone who I, you know, have a lot of respect for. Um, I've been asking you to do it for ages just for your farts. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I I can relate to Tommy. To be fair, what was was your concern was the training, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, so that was why I was quite surprised when you said about the training. Because I've, in the past going back when I've maybe reduced carbohydrates, not necessarily taken yeah. them out completely. You felt it. I've, I've almost felt it like within a matter of days, like my training and, and just uh, the intensity. Though. Yeah, for sure. No, but do you know what? No, no, me too. I, so I've tried keto before and so like took out the carbs and ramped up the fat. So I, I would feel good for like maybe three or four weeks and then it would just like really start to catch up with me. The big difference this time as I was eating a, you know 300 grams of protein a day right hey, once yeah. you once you factor in all that meat and wow. it made a huge difference probably doubled the amount of protein compared to last wow, time i did a low-carb yeah. diet made a really big difference and, and plus you know loads of great stuff in there from you know livers and kidneys and i was gonna say they always stuff. say don't forget the organ meats don't that's the thing well, yeah. Well, yeah. most people miss the organ we, and, and luckily i i enjoy all of that well, I'll tell you what, then, if you're up for it, Tommy, because I know um, you're a busy guy and you're incredibly generous with, with your time for us, mate, over the years. It's greatly appreciated. But if you are up for maybe doing like another episode and maybe digging a little bit deeper on yeah. this, that'd awesome. be amazing. And then that could kind of set me up for me giving it a bash myself and Committed. seeing what happens. And Tommy, you promised me uh, eight pull-ups or ten pull-ups. Yeah. Wasn't it? Was it 10? Yeah, for my so birthday. My, my pull-ups really suck. My shoulders are messed up. I can do chins. Can I do more chins? Yeah, okay. I can't, do a, I can't do a regular pull-up. It hurts my shoulders. Okay. Matt, yeah. you need to fix it. You, you, yeah, you, you can have a note. <laughs> yeah, sick note. Sick note, yeah. Yeah, sick note. That's fair enough. Yeah. Matt can fix you, though. He's done loads of stuff, haven't you, with shoulders? Oh, yeah. Injury rehab. <laughs> you have? It's, it's my rowing and a couple of snowboarding injuries. Like, my... <sighs> My, just like in that position, my shoulders and lats don't engage in like a coordinated manner. And he just sort of like ends up picking up, 
being kind of like grindy and awful so and it's one of those things you're just like well i don't want to take all the time it's going to take for me to rehab that so i'll just work around it and do something else oh man i'm totally with you but also as well i always say to people like you know you know we've often talked in the past about this you know what's the kind of what's the right amount to do before kind of doing any more just isn't really worth yeah. your while you know like the difference between walking ten thousand steps to walking twenty thousand steps you know is there much yeah, more benefit yeah. or training an hour to train in two hours you know is it going to do you more harm than good it's the same with pull-ups like i was thinking about this it's like if you knew 10 good pull-ups like why do you really need to do any more yeah but on what's the benefit the rehab what we've started doing because we're at home more is like rehabbing on our tea break and stuff like yeah. that so that's that, like that is our true. movement yeah, yeah. snack that is, is our true. rehab because yeah, we've, yeah, we've got good. old injuries that really do annoy us or in between sets of stuff like we've been doing rehab haven't we yeah and we've got the pull-up bar over the kitchen door so it's just there do it when the dinner's cooking because my, my in, in between sets i have to we have this bit sort of like at the back in front of the gym there's this big gravel there's like a, there was a there's a second driveway there's a gravel driveway that goes into what's the gym because the people who owned the house and built the fence and all that kind of stuff they had a classic car in there where we now have a gym so there's like a drive a gravel driveway there that gets full of weeds so between sets i have to go and like weed the gravel or else like you <laughs> can like stay on top of it that's the active recovery i like it yeah exactly <laughs> Oh, awesome, mate. Well, thank oh, you thank once again, you. mate. It's been brilliant, as always. But yeah, we'll definitely get that one in the diary then. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, I'll be well up for that. I'm, I'm, quite, I'm very, excited. I'm Karis excited, is, actually. Karis is looking forward to some of her nose cells growing back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll start saving me pennies now. I just don't, I just don't know if you're going to do it. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. I think you will now you've committed to Tommy. But but, but the, what is the thing is, it's like, I think it would, well, I was going to say it'd be more like social occasions that'd be a problem, but at the is moment it? we you don't really need to worry state. about that. Yeah, you do, do you state, know what? Like literally, it's that you go into a restaurant and you'd be like, I'll just have a big fat steak, please. Yeah. See that steak? I've done, I've done it. I'll have two oh, of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, exactly. And yeah. then, then it's going to get a bit pricier because yeah, you're out, but. But then what, again, if you nice. but vegetable sides cost a fortune. <laughs> yeah, they like, do. Fiver for some uh, some we'll, some we'll broccoli. <laughs> no tar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. You may as well spend that money, spend an extra fiver, and get a second steak. Steak and a rack of ribs. No, and what's actually what's nice about food in the US is that everybody gets exactly what they want. It's one of the things that I like most about yeah. eating out in the US. Like in the UK, like you order it as it comes and you eat it. Yeah. Or at least that's how it used to be, right? I haven't lived there for a few years. But in the US, it's like, that's not how I want it. This is how I want it. And that's just, that's what how people do. order. You know, <laughs> like, you know, like all that side stuff that, you know, the weeds on the side, I don't want that. Yeah. But bring yeah. the second one. Yeah, yeah. Steak. yeah. I'd love to know what love the wait- waitress thought of that. I, I have always joked, though, that I'm like... Uh, Desperate Dan. I'm an American <laughs> in a, in a British man's body. Desperate I was, I was Dan destined without, to without be an the American. pastry on the pie. <laughs> but tell me, mate, um, enjoy the rest of your day. Big love to the wife, the dogs. And I hope uh, the... Uh, Spit out. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I've actually completely lost my train of thought then I, I was going to say something about the training but then it's just completely gone <laughs> anyway just I hope you're all well and that's yeah. <laughs> and, and long may it continue and I guess we'll see you at some point in the future for, for another episode yeah great awesome Excited. nice one guys thanks for listening have a great day and we'll see you soon bye, bye.